This is a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Welcome to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. Is a consumer proposal right for me? And we've talked a lot about consumer proposals, but this one is such a good segment because if you've heard about it, but you don't know all the ins and outs of it or how it could, what, what the difference is to, uh, between it and other options, this is the segment. Uh, Blair's going to outline consumer proposals, the key aspects of this solution that's available to Canadians to deal with debts. So Blair, let's start at the very beginning. Can you talk about um, what a consumer proposal is and what are some of the advantages in choosing a consumer proposal? Yeah, with pleasure, Elaine. Again, I've often said a consumer proposal is the most powerful debt solution you might never have heard of. So I'm really happy today. We're just going to focus on giving you all the ins and outs of a consumer proposal, tell you how it applies to various situations. And even if it's not relevant to you, probably somebody in your life might benefit from knowing this. You can at least be a resource for others. And who knows where the future goes, knowing that this can be an option for anybody if they face tough situations is always good to have in your back pocket. So a consumer proposal, it's a debt solution, allows you to legally consolidate all of your debts, so put them all together into a single repayment plan that usually offers your creditors a partial recovery of your debt. So you pay back what you can afford on the debt, but legally it's in full satisfaction, so you can never be held accountable for the balance that's unpaid. So consumer proposals give you a unique opportunity to consolidate debt without having to borrow money, without having to pay any interest charges, and again, you receive that partial debt forgiveness without having to resort to a personal bankruptcy. When you do a consumer proposal, the repayment terms are flexible and they're tailored to an individual's circumstances, so they can fit a wide variety of situations, everything from a single payment that a third party is helping you out to pay off your debts at a reduced rate, to up to five years of monthly payments that might be the same every month, or they might start low and then increase a little bit or as we expect the income to go. There's a lot of different ways a proposal can be structured. Now, a consumer proposal can only be filed by working with a licensed insolvency trustee, and your trustee is going to be your ally side by side throughout the entire process. You don't need a referral. You don't need to pay any middleman, any uh, lawyers or legal advisors or anything like that. You just meet with a trustee um, to, to investigate whether a consumer proposal is going to work for you. And there's just a number of benefits. You know, we've talked about the ability to put the debt into a single payment that can really simplify your life. You'll know on what day, what amount is coming out to deal with. You know, it could be 15 or 20 different debts. Uh, reducing the debt to an affordable amount, eliminating all of the interest. And then what's also great, too, is a consumer proposal gives you protection and breathing room. So if you're in a consumer proposal, you're protected. None of your creditors are able to sue you, able to take your wages, seize your assets, anything like that. And you also get breathing room because they're not even allowed to call you. Once a trustee is appointed, you don't have to deal with any of your creditors anymore. The trustee steps in the middle. You deal with the trustee. The trustee deals with everybody else on your behalf. And what about your assets? How protected are they, Blair? 
Well, they're fully protected. So if you're doing a consumer proposal, um, nobody is allowed to take any legal actions against you. So if you have you know, a car loan or a mortgage and you just want to keep those assets, you're worried they could be taken from you. If you do a consumer proposal, you just keep making the car payments, keep making the mortgage payments. You've got no risk at all that those assets would be in jeopardy. Okay. Is there a ceiling uh, for the amount of debt that I could get rid of using a consumer proposal? Yeah, so in the law, the limit for a consumer proposal is it can be applied to debts up to $250,000 for an individual, and that excludes a mortgage on your principal residence, because most mortgages are greater in excess of that. But in terms of your typical unsecured debts, if you know your credit cards, income taxes, student loans, lines of credit, personal loans, everything like that, um, up to an amount of $250,000 can be dealt with in a consumer proposal. And there's also the ability to do a joint consumer proposal if if two or more individuals have some debts in common, they can pool their debts together and it can be up to $500,000 of debts can be dealt with in a consumer proposal. But what's powerful in a consumer proposal is taking whether it's, you know, oftentimes it's in you know, the seventy dollars or $80,000 range, but even if it's up to the $250,000 range, it's how much can that be reduced in a consumer proposal. And quite often it can be reduced by 50 cents on the dollar, even up to 80 cents on the dollar. There are many situations where people might owe 100000 thousand dollars and know they can't pay it back we do a proposal for twenty thousand dollars they make monthly payments over a period of time and it's a win-win in that their creditors actually got something back on their debt and the person avoided having to file for a personal bankruptcy proceeding which they would of course rather not to do yeah uh listen if you have heard this information and you already know that you want to investigate a consumer proposal more and and really take a look at that if this is the option for you sands and associates can be reached easily at 1-800-661-3030 and i know blair you've got offices pretty much all over british columbia right now what's what's the latest number of offices you've got yeah we're at 25 offices all wow. over the province so, yeah, we're able to help everybody from, you know, coast to coast, I guess not coast to coast, but border to border of this great province, border to coast. <laughs> there, you go. Yeah, there we go. There you go. Border to border. Um, yeah. So what does a person have to do during their consumer proposal besides uh, make sure that those payments are made? Mm-hmm. Yeah, the payments are obviously an important component, and we just do those by pre-authorized withdrawal any day of the month that works for the individual. But another really important component of the proposal is the financial counseling component. So you have to attend two private financial counseling sessions. They're both around 45 minutes each with a friendly, qualified, insolvency counselor. And these sessions are not about making you feel bad about perhaps some mistakes or things you could have done different. These are all supportive conversations to give you professional tools, strategies, resources to really help you increase your financial literacy in areas such as budgeting and spending habits, financial planning, goal setting, credit scores, and more. So our whole idea is to give you all the tools that you need that going forward you'll be able to manage a budget, to rebuild your credit as quickly as possible, um, and even to sit down and set financial goals. Sometimes it can be tough when you're sitting there with $100,000 of debt and you can't see the light um, to actually think, you know, I deserve to have some goals, short, medium, and long term, and going through a consumer proposal can give you the means um, to start to think about those goals and what you actually want to achieve financially, and that's one of the greatest parts of 
the counseling is sitting down, setting those goals, breaking them down into manageable steps, and we'll work with you on that during at least two sessions during your consumer proposal. Uh, aside from making the payments and doing those counselings, there's other some minor things, a lot of things you'll do without even thinking that they're really special for the proposal. You'll want to keep up to date on your tax returns, so you want to file your taxes every year just to maintain compliance as a taxpayer. Um, in terms of your income, all of your income gets paid directly to you, so there's nothing you need to be concerned about. The proposal doesn't intercept any of your wages. Your employer doesn't even need to know about that. So in general, you'll make the payments each month, you'll meet for the couple financial counseling sessions, and you'll just enjoy the breathing room that you've got. Most people have a much better budget because now all their debts is consolidated down or reduced amount with no interest compared to how they were maybe robbing Peter to pay Paul or really scrimping on groceries or other things the family needed because everything was going to pay debts. What about the time involved, Blair? How long does a consumer proposal take to, uh, to run? Yeah, so there's limits within the law. So a consumer proposal, usually it's structured with monthly payments and the maximum term for a proposal is 60 months uh, or up to five years. Some consumer proposals offer just a single lump sum payment. So I've often said if someone is considering helping a family member out to pay off their debt, they should help them with a single lump sum consumer proposal payment, which could be as little as 15 or 20 cents on the dollar rather than paying everything off in full for another party. So a consumer proposal can be that short of a single payment or can be as long as up to five years. But what's great in a consumer proposal is it's flexible. So if a situation changes, and let's say you're signed up for five years of payments, but hey, things are so much better off, you can pay the proposal off early at any point. There's no interest, no penalty. And the sooner you pay it off, typically the sooner it'll get removed off your credit report and you can move forward that much more quickly. Now, the one thing about Sands and Associates I've learned over the years of working with you, Blair, is that you guys really listen to people. And I know that there's other things that people tend to ask about when it comes to a consumer proposal, sort of smaller things and or something that's, uh, you know, bothering somebody. Do you want to talk a little bit about those? Yeah, there's definitely some really important questions a lot of people tend to ask. You know, one that comes up quite a bit when we're dealing with couples is how is this consumer proposal going to affect my spouse? Uh, the short, quick answer is it's not. It's not going to affect your spouse unless your spouse has any shared debt. If there's any joint debt, well, then that joint debt, um, you know, is now going to be just that spouse's responsibility. But otherwise, there's no responsibility at all, no impact on the other person's credit rating. If one spouse does a consumer proposal and has unique debts that aren't shared, it's possible for the other spouse to not even be aware of that proceeding. Now, that's not our recommendation. We recommend, you know, open and transparent conversations about finances within couples, but it really is the case that one couple or one member of a couple deciding to restructure their debts can have literally zero impact on the other member of the couple, other than suddenly the person is a lot less stressed and has a better budget and lower debt payments, all of that, but there's no negative impact to the other spouse. Excellent. And people always want to know, what's the cost? What's it going to cost me to do a consumer proposal? How do you work that out? Yeah, a lot of people are sometimes waiting for the catch or waiting for the other shoe to drop. So I'll finish the meeting. I'll say, yeah, here's the proposal. We're going to offer back, um, you know, $300 a month for 60 months, you know, $18,000 back on $50,000, for example, which those are real numbers. We do that all the time. They say, okay, that's great, but what's your fee? 
And I say, well, my fee is included in all of that. So what happens when you file a consumer proposal is you're subject to a government tariff for consumer proposals. What that means is once we figured out you can afford to pay back $300 per month, not all of that $300 goes to the creditors. About 80% of it does, but about 20% of that, so in this case about $60 of your $300, would come to the trustee for costs of administration. So from the client's point of view, there's never any upfront charge. There's nothing above and beyond what the person can afford to repay in the proposal. Essentially, the costs are being borne by the creditors deducted from the payments that they would receive uh, before they're sent on to them. Okay. And in the final minute and a half or so, how does somebody go about starting a consumer proposal? It's very straightforward, and the first step is often the toughest one just because you don't always know what you're walking into. People are always worried, you know, am I going to be judged? Am I going to be talked down to? And that's absolutely not what you're going to receive with Sands and Associates. The first step is to reach out for that consultation. So we guarantee you're going to meet with a qualified, empathetic, either a trustee or insolvency estate manager, someone who knows their stuff and has dealt with a lot of situations maybe similar or maybe different, but has the right tools to help you out of that situation. The first step is to reach out for the consultation. From there, we'll guide you along every other step. You'll fill out an application form. You'll give us some basic information about your debts, your assets, your income. And then generally, as quick as just a few days from our first meeting, or as slow as you need to feel comfortable, some people it's over a period of weeks or even a couple of months, uh, whenever you're ready to move forward, we can have documents prepared for you to sign off on your consumer proposal, get that protection, and have that great repayment plan to focus on. Now, a couple of things I want to mention as we close out this segment. You can learn more about how a consumer proposal could work for you and get started on that plan, that debt-free plan of yours, by giving Sands & Associates a call. It's 1-800-661-3030, and of course, that's toll-free. Uh, you can also go to their website, visit sands trustee. And, of course, you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton, a licensed insolvency trustee from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. This segment's all about debt mistakes not to make. Not to make, which is such a good idea. Uh, and Blair's going to share some common mistakes that people often make when dealing with their debt. So we're going to learn some tips uh, for how not to solve your financial problems and steps you can take to help get money matters back on track. So first, Blair, is there any general advice you want to share about dealing with debt to get this segment started? Oh, sure, Elaine. You know, there's really, there's no one-size-fits-all solution uh, for getting out of debt, but just the whole idea that being in debt should not be a permanent state. You know, no one should hang around being in debt. It costs money. It often stops us from maximizing our income. It's just a constant drain, even mentally. Um, so the whole objective here is just to say there's always a way out. There's a way to move forward from debt, but there's certainly a few things you can do uh, that are going to make it more difficult to see that way forward or more costly, and we're going to try to steer you away from some of those pitfalls in today's session. Um, so for today, the first thing to talk about is, you know, just don't assume that a debt problem can't happen to you. Um, you know, even some of my advertisements say, you know, money problems can happen to anybody at any time, and it's 
something that's been proven true in my 12, 13 years of seeing clients directly. Uh, it's amazing the different scenarios that can conspire to take somebody uh, from, you know, the highest highs of finances to have, you know, tons of money, tons of equity, tons of disposable income uh, to the point where they're needing our help. And then conversely, to see somebody really emerge from an insolvency proceeding, uh, leave the debt behind, and then suddenly achieve more in their life than they were ever able to achieve before, especially being held back from debt. You know, what we've learned is under the whole idea that it can happen to anybody is that many of the time, many times what causes a financial difficulty is not an action that the individual takes, but it's something that just happened to them. Things were going just fine, uh, and then life just threw them a big left turn, um, something like an illness, an injury, or a health-related problem, whether it's yourself uh, or your own family member, uh, marital or relationship breakdown, so the cost of separating, the cost of reestablishing, uh, perhaps two households, could be some legal costs that can be just very financially catastrophic when a relationship breaks down. Um, obviously, the classic of job-related and job loss, um, you know, many people unexpectedly, whether it's a restructuring or a downsize, um, you know, they find themselves without a job through no fault of their own. Uh, and then what we're seeing, you know, more and more is just cost of living outpacing income. So as prices go up more and more, you have a family to feed, you need to keep a roof over, over everyone's head. Um, you know, sometimes that can just squeeze somebody financially. And as you look, well, there's nothing you could have done. You've maximized your income, your costs have gotten out of line, and you've relied on credit to, fi- to fill that gap. Um, so really, we just want people to understand there's a lot of reasons why someone could come to having a debt problem and nobody should assume that they're immune from it. It could never happen to them. And I think uh, at any given time, you can look in our current situation, whether it be a pandemic or out of control weather situations that put people in peril and like overnight dealing with a catastrophic uh, situation that they did not plan for because it hasn't happened in a 100 years. I mean, this has been the biggest lesson, I think, that things can happen overnight so quickly uh, and we have no control over stopping them from happening. It's just what we do at this point. That's exactly right, Elaine. I think we've, we've all learned, you know, just the fragility of the status quo. Let's not assume that tomorrow is going to resemble yesterday because sometimes it doesn't, as we've seen. Um, yeah. But, you know, what? one final point before we move on to another thing, yeah. to, to, uh, another mistake not to make here is just really don't be focused on your credit report or your credit mm. score as an indicator of your financial health. Um, you would be amazed the number of people that come into my office that have 800 credit scores, 750, 770, uh, but can't borrow another dollar from the bank or incredibly over extended and have spent huge amounts of money just making all their minimum payments to chase a great credit score. So quite often, a credit score is completely divorced from your overall financial health, and the people that are the most financially healthy might have a zero credit score because they're just not using any credit products or paying any interest each month. So definitely don't focus on that indicator. It's a great reminder. I love it when you talk about that. Uh, Really, really important because it's easy to get caught up in it. Are there other uh, sort of inaction mistakes that you can avoid in dealing with debt, Blair? Oh, certainly. So, you know, under a big category of financial housekeeping, uh, there's a number of things if you don't attend to them, and it's the whole idea, you know, a stitch in time saves nine. So just by doing a little bit over time, uh, you're not going to end up, you know, being really surprised. Uh, but these things can get away from you if you just let things coast. So, you know, first off, a personal budget check-in. So are you sticking to your budget? Are you on track to meet any expenses? Are you accumulating savings? Do you even have a budget? That's a really good test. And if you do, you should be checking in on it monthly at least 
least, uh, personal tax filings. Um, so sometimes someone gets scared to file taxes because they think they owe the government money. That's definitely your worst plan to go. And the further, uh, further more years you get behind, the more likely the government is to start taking drastic actions against you, like freezing bank accounts or seizing assets. Um, even checking in on your credit report. So as I just mentioned, don't be driven by your credit score by any means, but it is important to make sure that your credit report is accurate, is up to date, that you're not being penalized for maybe someone else's delinquency on your debts, but all the debts that you are paying on time are reflecting accurately. So it's just a good thing to keep on top of. Every Canadian can get a copy of their credit report once per year from each of the credit un- uh, each of the credit bureaus of Equifax and TransUnion. And I would say skip the extra cost of getting your credit score because it's irrelevant. As I said, don't chase it. And every lender calculates their own credit score. So I feel like it's you know a little bit of a bait and switch when everyone advertises online credit score for a fee, but it's nothing that the banks are going to use. They do their own math anyway. So I definitely mm-hmm. recommend skipping that. Excellent. Um, I want to throw in here too, you know, if, if we've already sort of outlined or if Blair sort of already outlined a situation that you're in and you're gulping and thinking, oh, yikes, I need to do something. This is what you need to do. Give Sands and Associates a call. 1-800-661-3030 or go to the website sands-trustee.com and book that appointment. You've talked a lot about uh, just making minimum monthly payments as a very clear sign that you need to do something different, I guess. Oh, definitely, Elaine. And again, that's in our last few years of surveys, the number one most reported warning sign was just people finding, hey, I'm just making minimum payments each month. I'm not getting further ahead. So it is getting, you know, the consciousness is out there that minimum payments are designed to keep you in debt, not to help you pay off debt. And it's not always the case that, you know, the big balances are, are the biggest problems. You know, even a $1,000 credit card bill um, could take you 10 years to pay off if you only make the, the minimum monthly payments at 18%, uh, and you're going to pay almost double that amount that you originally charged. So you can imagine $1,000 in 10 years from now, I'm still going to be paying it off. Well, if you're only making the minimum payments, yeah, that that is correct. So a huge warning sign if all you're able to do is make the minimum payments. Your credit score probably looks great. Your budget might be okay, but those balances that might be large and looming, um, they're not getting paid down in any sort of a, of a speedy fashion. I know you've got a really good list of sort of the common debt mistakes that folks make dealing with debt. And as a result, it just makes it far more challenging for them as they go through this. Yeah, the, the one that breaks my heart the most, Elaine, I know we've, we've said it a number of times, but unfortunately, I still do see clients that have done this, uh, is cashing in RRSPs. So cashing in their retirement funds. And sometimes they've gotten advice from the bank. And I'm just going to assume it's someone that wasn't well informed, didn't have nefarious intent. Sometimes they've gotten no advice from anyone, but just thought they should do it. And what I'm talking about is you've got this retirement fund and RRSP, you decide to pull that money out because you have some debt. Why this is such a bad idea, a bad idea is first, you have that money saved for a reason. It's for your retirement. And what are you going to do if that money is not there? You're just going to be giving yourself more hardship in the future because that money's probably going to be very difficult to replace. Um, Secondly, uh, many people understand this, but some don't. RSP withdrawals are taxable. So you got the tax deduction when you put the money in. When you pull that money out, right off the top, there's going to be a withholding tax. Maybe it's 20 to 30%, but that might not even be enough. You might find at the end of the year, you think you've done everything right. You pulled out your RSPs, you paid off the debt, and then suddenly the government is coming to you and saying, well, we need a whole lot more tax on those RRSP funds. And then now you, you thought you were stressed when you owed the bank money. Imagine when you owe CRA money, how that feels. 
Um, and folks need to understand, because I think this is why they cash in the RRSPs, they think, well, if I have to file a bankruptcy, I'm going to lose this stuff anyway, so you know, let me at least be in control, you know, uh, control my own destiny. And the number one thing for people to know is RRSPs are 100% protected. If you file for bankruptcy, if you have whatever amount of money in RRSPs, you know, as long as you haven't thrown in a ton of money in the year prior to you filing for bankruptcy, which usually is not the case, but anything that's been there for more than 12 months is 100% protected. Nobody can ever force you to cash in those funds. It's not going to require you to pay more into your bankruptcy. You could deal with the debt, still save your retirement out the other side, and that's the outcome I, I wish more people could achieve rather than having cashed in their RRSPs. Often they end up with the tax bill. It's not enough to clear the debt. They might end up in my office anyway, and it's what a night and day situation to finishing a bankruptcy and still having your retirement intact to finishing a bankruptcy and then starting to save again. Excellent. Um, the next the next part of what we were going to talk about has been relying on debt as a debt solution. Can you really explain that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, what a lot of people try to do as a first step when you find yourself in debt is kind of to borrow your way out of it. So to say, okay, I've got all this debt. I've got it at, you know, 19 or 29 or more percent interest. Why don't I get a consolidation loan? Ideally, it'll be one single payment, which will simplify things for me. And hopefully it's going to be a much lower interest rate, maybe something closer to 10 or 12 percent, not the 20 or 30 percent they might be paying. So it sounds great in theory, and it can work well. uh, But quite often what people run into is they're not able to qualify for consolidation loan unless they're compelled to make some really poor financial decisions for them that put the bank in a much better position than they would have been in otherwise. And these are things like using an asset as a collateral, so maybe pledging a house or a car or a secured investment or something like that. You've now allowed a creditor, if you don't pay, you've given them a direct line to take an asset from you, whereas if you hadn't pledged that asset, they would have a much tougher time. You might be able to take steps to protect yourself, but if you've granted security for something that you owe. Again, I see this often with a vehicle. People have a paid-off vehicle, they get a consolidation loan, they pledge their car as collateral, and then sometimes the terms of these loans are, if you miss a few payments, two or three payments, we take your car, we put it in storage until you pay the loan off, and we charge you 30 to $50 a night in storage fees, which essentially means we're taking your car and you're not getting it back. So it can be very, um, you know, just an incredibly bad outcome if you pledge an asset as collateral. But also what can be even worse is starting to bring in co-signers. So starting to say, you know, the bank's willing to give me this loan, but I need mom, dad, brother, sister, or friend, or someone to sign on the dotted line to be responsible. You've now just enlarged that debt problem to include people that you love and that love you and want to help you. But if you need to restructure your debts in the per- in the future, like doing a proposal or perhaps a bankruptcy, whoever has co-signed those debts is going to be left 100% responsible for those debts. So my impression, my, my advice is it's never worth getting a consolidation loan if you have to pledge an asset or pledge a co-signer. It almost always is going to lead to a bad outcome. And we're inundated, and we just have a few seconds left, but inundated with ads telling us who to go to to get the help. And and clearly, somebody like yourself, a licensed insolvency trustee, is the best place to go to get help with debt. Absolutely, Elaine. We're the only people that are licensed by the federal government to actually help you legally restructure your debt, and it costs nothing to meet with us. It's a free confidential consultation. You'll meet with me or a member of my team. Guaranteed you're going to learn more and feel better at the end of the consultation and not going to cost you anything. And here's the phone number. It's 1-800-661-3030. Or you can visit the website, make an appointment through there, sans-trustee.com.
You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. I want to mention the website for Sands and Associates. It's sands-trustee.com. This segment's all about steps to getting professional debt help. Uh, Learn about working on a personalized debt-free plan with a licensed insolvency trustee. And if you've ever wondered what that's like, what it's like to work with a licensed insolvency trustee, Blair's going to share some details on what you can expect, as well as some pros and cons about common debt management strategies that you might want to consider as you deal with your debt. So first of all, Blair, when is it a good idea for someone to connect with someone like you, a licensed insolvency trustee? Well, it's a good question, Elaine. It can be different in many situations, but the the takeaway for us is most people wait far too long. They wait until things are very dire before they start to reach out for help, and they suffer for a longer period of time than they needed to because they might not have had the right information at the right time. So we believe everyone should be able to make well-informed decisions on their finances, and anybody can connect with a licensed insolvency trustee when you want to ask questions or get some advice on options or strategy to manage your debt. So it could be for yourself, it could be for a family member, it could be just for personal interest, but when you have questions, when you have concerns, when you're maybe facing an issue about debt, a licensed insolvency trustee is the best person you could ever see, because in Canada, we're the only professionals fully recognized and endorsed by the federal government to actually help people deal with their debt. So only a licensed insolvency trustee can file a bankruptcy, a lawyer can't help you with that, you've got to see a trustee, only a trustee can help you with a consumer proposal, which helps vast majority of people avoid a bankruptcy and maybe they're not even aware of that option. So when you sit down with a licensed insolvency trustee, you know, sometimes it's various situations that might bring you to see us. It could be things like general information about dealing with a debt. It could be understanding your legal rights and remedies about who is responsible for a debt. Do you inherit a debt? Do you get, when you get married, do you take on the other person's debt? We'll give very, very clear guidance about that. Sometimes people are facing an urgent crisis or a conflict with a creditor. There could be a wage garnishment. There could legal action being taken against you. As a trustee, we have the power to intervene and stop those things. Uh, Sometimes people aren't facing, you know, a severe crisis, but they just realize, hey, I'm just stuck making minimum payments. I've had people tell me, oh, it feels like I'm on the hamster wheel. I'm just going around and around. I'm giving money every single month, but I'm not getting anywhere. The debts aren't actually going down. Uh, We can definitely, you know, change the script on that by helping people, you know, freeze the interest and perhaps do a proposal. And in some cases, people through, you know, sometimes it's some inadvertence or just not paying attention over time. They've just got a number of debts out there they haven't paid attention to. They've got bad credit all around. They just need a reset. They need to get everything back to zero, get things on track and start fresh. So whatever the situation, our job is to help with debt. And it all starts with a, a free confidential consultation. I was about to say in-person consultation, but that's pre-COVID, Elaine. Um, Because as of now, the vast majority of people that we're seeing, we've now reopened to the public for in-person, but most people are opting for video conference or telephone meetings. We're able to do everything electronically and remotely now. So it's easier than ever before. Folks don't need to take time off work or pay tolls on bridges or things like that. Um, You know, essentially they can just come in and see us virtually at, at their leisure. 
Excellent. And I, I do want to emphasize that that first sit-down meeting is free. It's really just good information that somebody can get and then figure out next steps and what to do. I, I just think that's terrific. Um, so what ha- what else happens during that first consultation? And, and Blair, is there something that I need to do to prepare before I come in the door or uh, log on to your site or uh, Zoom with you? You know, the most important thing, and you know, you've heard this before, half of everything is just showing up. I'd say it's probably 80% is, is just showing up when you're meeting with a trustee. So there's nothing formal that you need to prepare. Uh, we're going to sit down. It's going to be a, a supportive conversation, and we're just going to try to understand your situation. So some people come in, you know, very well prepared with copies of, you know, bills and pay stubs and tax returns. Others, they know what they've been living these past, you know, weeks, months, or years. So we can just start with a general conversation in that way. But unless you're showing up to the meeting, it's pretty tough to move forward. So again, a lot of people are hesitant to, to make the meeting or sometimes people sign up for the meeting and then they get nervous, but you know, they're not coming here to be judged. They're coming here to be helped. So as soon as we can start to open that conversation, open that dialogue, things can flow pretty naturally from there. So in the first consultation, we want to understand the situation the person's been facing. So we'll start by asking, you know, why you're seeking debt advice today and do you have any specific goals or issues that we want or can be able to help you with? We'll try to understand who you owe money to and roughly how much to get a sense of what the remedies are and if you even need our help, for example. You need to understand your household situation, um, who lives at home, is everybody working, are there other constraints, are there medical issues that have impacted income, and then we have to understand are there any assets. So, you know, we, we talk sometimes, Elaine, about, you know, the person with the house worth millions of dollars with no mortgage, you know, that person has to pay their debts in full, but for people who don't have sufficient assets to pay their debts, a whole plethora of opportunities are open to them in terms of being able to reduce or eliminate their debt through either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal. And listen, if you're, if you're already hearing this information and know there's no question about it that you need to do something and take some action, uh, the number for Sands & Associates is 1-800-661-3030, the website sands-trustee.com. So if the person says, yep, I want to move forward after that first meeting, uh, what, what's the next thing I need to do or what's the next thing I can expect, Blair? Well, if you decide that you want to move forward with something like a consumer proposal, it's pretty straightforward to get the proposal underway. You know, generally, if you have your information fairly organized, within just a matter of a few days, we can have legal documents ready uh, for you to review, and then we meet together to sign those documents. Once the documents have been signed, we send them out to your creditors, and immediately once the documents are signed, you've got protection. So you've got the trustee basically stepping in like a referee between you and the people that you owe money to, making sure you can't be harassed anymore, making sure if there's any wages being seized, that stops immediately. Uh, And then we're going to work to get your proposal accepted. So after you've signed the documents, about 45 days from then is when we know we've got an accepted consumer proposal. And then the person just makes those monthly payments. Um, Under personal bankruptcy, it's relatively similar in terms of getting things going. It's a matter of a few days to prepare the documents. Um, Bankruptcy generally lasts for a shorter amount of time than a consumer proposal. And there's definitely some different duties to perform. We'll go through those in another segment, I know. But one thing that's really important for people to note is under both 
remedies of either a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal, you get really detailed, one-on-one, specific, supportive financial counseling. So the idea of people doing repeat bankruptcies or repeat consumer proposals is not what we're trying to achieve. We want to give everybody the tools, the skills, the information that they need so that going forward, they can have a better financial future, a better credit rating, hopefully some savings, an emergency fund. So when you're doing either a proposal or a bankruptcy, it's bigger than just dealing with the debt. It's also about giving you the counseling, the tools, the tips, techniques, everything that you'll need um, to hopefully be able to avoid a financially difficult situation in the future, if it is possible to do so. Again, there can be some circumstances, even, you know, the best thing that you did, it's still, you still needed our help, but we'll give you the best tools that you can to try to deal with most situations. And and only a licensed insolvency trustee, uh, there's, what, a thousand across the country? Is that still the number that, uh, that we, mm-hmm. we've got? Yeah, in, in and around there. So it's a pretty small group of individuals. And just to give you a sense of it, so at Sands & Associates, we're the largest firm in BC in terms of helping individuals and small businesses. And we have six licensed insolvency trustees. So that's you know a fair concentration of trustees. And again, <laughs> yeah. about a thousand in Canada. Um, so when you're dealing with a trustee, you're dealing with someone that's been given a license by Industry Canada, went through a rigorous course of study, and is subject to regulation from the Office of the Superintendent of Bankruptcy. Uh, it's definitely, you know, it's a very important credential, and uh, definitely everyone at Sands and Associates, we're in it for the same reasons. We want to help people out of tough situations, so you know when you're dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee, you're not going to pay anything up front. You'll never have to pay a fee to see the trustee, you know, the first second, third, however many meetings it takes for you to make your decision are all at no charge. And it's only when you decide to move forward, if you decide to move forward with either a consumer proposal or a personal bankruptcy, what you have to pay is all set by government tariffs. So there's nothing the trustee is setting a price based on other factors. Everything is well-regulated, well-transparent. So people can generally rest very easy knowing they're in good hands when they're dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee. Yeah, and that first meeting, just to be able to sit down and say, okay, this is my situation, what do you think? That's so key because maybe a consumer proposal or bankruptcy isn't the best option for you, but the best news is that uh, you at Sands & Associates are going to help that person be able to make that decision and move forward regardless of the path that they choose. Uh, I think that's uh, just a, a good reminder for you. Also a good reminder, you're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands & Associates, helping you get out of debt. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates, helping you get out of debt. I'm Elaine Scollin. So we're going to talk about can a person get a mortgage after a bankruptcy or consumer proposal? And it's such a great question because I mean, I've been doing the show for a little bit, Blair, but I have no idea. It sounds like it it's an impossibility, but I'm sure you're going to tell us that it's not. Well, absolutely, Elaine. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, they have a preconceived notion. And sometimes I've even seen lenders communicate this or sometimes in, you know, friendly Q&As you see on, on you know, some, some publications from a bank, for example. They say, you know, declaring bankruptcy is a lifelong stain on your record and you may never be able to qualify for credit again. Uh, we're going to talk today, Elaine, about how bankruptcy can actually enable people to be in a much better financial system situation that can allow them to to qualify for a mortgage and taking some of the suspense 
away, but definitely listen to, to learn this. It's as little as two years after you finished a bankruptcy, you can be credit worthy again and get a mortgage. So we're going to talk about all that in detail, but uh, in a summary, there's absolutely hope, and it's often a shorter route than trying to chisel yourself out from under an impossible debt burden and not being able to save any money for you know 10 or 20 years because you're just paying off debt, for example. And I know that credit history, that kind of thing, is going to come into this discussion. And we've talked before about how a credit history impact of bankruptcy or doing a consumer proposal is pretty concerning for people. So can you first talk about or explain what credit impacts these options and and what they have in common? Certainly. And, you know, the key thing to take in to keep in mind when you're talking about credit history impacts is everything is temporary. There's nothing that's going to be a permanent stain on your credit report. The longest something is going to last on your credit report is generally six years. Um, and that even includes, you know, a bankruptcy and a proposal. So you'll definitely be able to move forward. Your history with problem debt is not going to be following you for the rest of your life uh, as long as you do take some actions. So what happens when you restructure your debt? So there's two remedies a licensed insolvency trustee can help with. Uh, one is a consumer proposal, and a consumer proposal is where you consolidate all of your debt together. You pay back what you're able to afford, so often it's a significant discount to the to the amount owing. Maybe it's 20 or 30 cents on the dollar in many cases, and you avoid a bankruptcy. So under a consumer proposal, what happens with your credit rating um, is when you finish the proposal, um, it's either going to last for as long as six years from the day you signed it or one year, uh, sorry, or three years from the day you've paid it off. So the lo- the longest possible impact you'll have is six years from the day you sign the proposal. And a lot of the times proposals are for five years of payments. So generally a year after your last payment, you'll hit that six-year maximum. Um, and the proposal is going to drop off your credit report at that point, like it never happened, as well as all the problem debt that was included in the proposal. Uh, in some cases, proposals are for a single payment. It's a lump sum. So sometimes it's friends or family members helping somebody out, saying the person is very Uh, much overextended. Um, Friends and family are going to help pay back maybe 15 cents in the dollar as a lump sum. If it's a proposal with just a single payment, that comes off your credit report three years after it's made. So it's from a range of as little as three years to as much as six years. It's nowhere near, you know, your your full life. It's nowhere near something that's going to, to really dictate your financial future for decades to come. Um, the other option that uh, clients can choose when they're dealing with a licensed insolvency trustee is to file for personal bankruptcy. And personal bankruptcy is always your last resort. It's when nothing else works, when you're not able to pay the debt off, when a proposal just is not affordable, or maybe there's some other factors there. But personal bankruptcy is a legal solution that allows you to have full forgiveness of your debts if you're unable to pay them off or to continue to make payments. Most people, when they file for bankruptcy, and this is usually a surprise, uh, they finish the bankruptcy in as little as nine months. And what happens with your credit rating impact is from the day that you're discharged, the bankruptcy disappears six years after that. So some people think bankruptcy takes seven years. It absolutely does not. It often takes nine months. There's a credit history impact for six years after that, but it's absolutely possible to rebuild your credit far more quickly than those six-year time periods. Okay. Now, before we get to the next question, I just want to share that if you're already thinking, okay, now uh, this is what I need to do. I need to sit down and talk to somebody about it. Talk to Blair. Talk to a licensed insolvency trustee. Uh, so I'm going to give you uh, the phone number for Sands and Associates. It's 1-800-661-3030. 
or the website. You can easily uh, make an appointment and go through the website, and that is sands-trustee.com. So, Blair, can you talk about more um, about getting a new mortgage after a bankruptcy or a consumer proposal? Like, I'm sure there's a whole bunch of things that one needs to keep in mind and move forward with. Yeah, the first thing to keep in mind is it is possible. It's absolutely achievable. And for sure, if someone's listening here, they can start, you know, do some Googling about, you know, mortgage after bankruptcy, and you will find a whole plethora of individuals who talk about their experiences or mortgage brokers who'll coach you on how to, you know, really improve your credit. But when you're in a bankruptcy or a proposal, you can apply for credit at any time, but it's recommended that you complete the proceeding first. So complete the bankruptcy or complete the consumer proposal, get everything squared away, um, and then look to rebuild your credit. Uh, Typical mainstream mortgage lenders, they can approve a new mortgage at standard lending rates. So we're not talking some crazy risk premium because you've been through a bankruptcy if it's been two years since you finished either your consumer proposal or your bankruptcy. So again, clients are always shocked to hear it's as little as two years, but that is the fact. That's the guidelines that lenders put out there. Um, And if you think about it logically, it tends to make sense because most people are significantly better credit risks after bankruptcy than they would have been before because after the bankruptcy, they have no debt. They just came through a legal proceeding that nobody takes lightly. So the next person that loans the money is probably going to get a customer for life and going to get someone that's really focused on honoring all of their obligations going forward. Um, you know, even if you're trying to get a mortgage sooner than two years, there are some subprime lenders that might look at you, but I tend to advise people that the costs of that are so significant, you're probably better, you know, just to wait two years after the bankruptcy uh, and then look to apply at that point. Um, when you're at that point of two years after, your credit history shouldn't show any of the overextended debt, but you've got to be taking some steps, um, hopefully either during the proposal or bankruptcy, you know, to start accumulating a down payment. And then really important as well is to check for and resolve any errors in your credit bureau files. Um, everybody that finishes a proceeding with us, when we send them either a certificate of discharge in a bankruptcy or a certificate of full performance in a proposal, we also send along a form saying, hey, it's probably a good idea to check your credit report after a few months just to make sure everything's been updated correctly. We talk a lot, Elaine, about you know the various issues and errors on people's credit reports, and the time to learn about that is not when you're in the mortgage broker's office trying to get approved for something. Uh, it's to really be proactive and get your credit report shortly after you've finished um, either your bankruptcy or proposal, and it's going to be important to see that all the debts are updated, but lenders are also going to look at things that are pretty positive to show stability, things like steady income, the length of time that you've been at your current address. Lenders are also going to look at, do you have savings or do you have other assets? Um, but absolutely, if people are thinking it's hopeless after either a bankruptcy or a proposal, you'll never get a mortgage again. Well, how is two years? Two years of really good behavior, good credit rebuilding, and you can potentially qualify for a mortgage again. Now, I know there's a bunch of things we could I could ask you in the last minute and a half, um, but I was curious, it, can you go over how easy it is to get your credit report uh, from the various organizations? Because it's it always sounds pretty easy. And just in case somebody doesn't know and they will and this might be a first step for them. 
Yeah, yeah. Let, let's close on two things, Elaine. So one, it's very, very easy to get your report. And legally, the credit bureaus have to provide it to you once per year at no charge to you. So you can go to either Equifax or TransUnion's website. Since the pandemic, they've started to give free online access to your credit reports. You can also visit our website, sandstrustee.com or sands-trustee.com. If you click on client resources, there's a form you can send away um, to get copies of your credit report by the mail. And then just one last point for people to take away is there is no such thing as fast track or quick or overnight credit score repair. Typically, errors on a, or issues on a credit report took a while to get there, and they can't be defeated overnight. So if you're seeing someone that's making unreasonable promises, it probably is the case you'll pay some fees and not get a result. So just be aware it does take time to fix a credit report. Um, but you know, two years after a proceeding, you could have great credit again and get a mortgage. And Blair mentioned the website at sands-trustee.com. And on top of the information about credit reports and how to get them, etc., it's also such a good website uh, for questions answered. So many good uh, questions and just really thorough, thoughtful answers on those if we didn't quite... Uh, quite answer everything that you were thinking about. The website again, sands-trustee.com. You're listening to Dollars and Cents with Blair Manton from Sands and Associates. The proceeding was a paid commercial program. Unless otherwise identified, the guests on the program are employees of or otherwise represent the advertiser. The opinions expressed therein are those of the advertiser and do not necessarily reflect the views and policies of CKNW. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.